Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Welcome to the Pillar to Post podcast where we talk to Muslim brothers all around the world uh, and get to know them a little bit. Today, I am your host, Fuad Abdulaziz. I am the founder uh, and creator of Viper Sport and also content creator, for behind the gloves which is interesting because the brother here just had an interview there and i had to deal with all the content there so there's plenty of things i know about you already um but before we get into it we do have billy dib um from australia former world champion super uh, featherweight boxer still boxing to this day and still looking for another world title uh billy bro how are you how are you doing i'm doing really well thank you so much for having me on i appreciate it no problem at all uh before we get into the show today we're going to just make sure that everyone get, goes over and follows us on the social media platforms and subscribe to the youtube channel to keep up to date with all the content that we've got coming uh soon yeah so um let's talk about you obviously you had your world title journey there was plenty of ups and plenty of downs um but just tell us how you got into it what inspired you to sort of pick up the gloves for the first time it was it was nothing that i uh, had planned it was never planned it was just it was just something that basically fell into my hands or, you know, it was like it found me. So, you know, sometimes I say destiny finds you and uh, I guess boxing was my destiny and it found me. Um, it, all, it all started uh, as a young boy when I was uh, just uh, 12 years of age. Um, you know, I used, to, I used to go to a school and I was basically considered, a, you know, one of the darker kids at school. So I used to get picked on a fair bit at school, right? And... Um, um, I was a bit fed up with that. And then dad said, look, what about we put you some, put you guys in some after-school sports? Maybe you can make some friends outside of school and then that might help in school. That was that was the plan. So we, I started playing rugby league, which is like football, but, you know, like rugby league style. And um, my the trainer there one day, he just pulled out a set of pads and gloves. And he pulled out many sets of them because we we're going to do a box exercise session. And growing up as a kid, as most kids do, I was a big Rocky fan. So mm. me, I, I had, uh, I had, uh, I had four older brothers and one younger brother, and we used to beat the crap out of each other every single day, right? We'd watch the Rocky movies, then we'd get up and do Rocky on ourselves. Yeah, you know, I, I mean? Ivan Drago versus Rocky. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, my dad used to own a convenience store, so he used to sell the gloves in store. Okay. And so you know, me and my brothers would like beat the crap out of each other. Their mum would come and beat us up. You know what I mean? Little Jake. Yeah, yeah. And so then um, when the trainer pulled out these pads and mitts, I hit the pads and um, he was like, he was a bit, looked like he was a bit shocked. Mm. And he was like, could you do that again? And I, and I did it again. And, he, and um, he was like, look, here, he goes, I don't know about your football career, but I think you may have found something in boxing. And he asked me if I'd boxed before. And I said, look, I never boxed, but I've watched a lot of Rocky movies. So he said, tell your father to take you to the Sutherland PCYC. And speak to a trainer named Rusty Penton. So I did exactly as he said. Went to the gym, had the gloves on already. So I'd walk, I got to the gym, put the gloves on downstairs, walked up to the gym, yep. and knocked on the door with the gloves on. And the trainer answered the door, and and, uh, and he asked me who I was, and I said, my name is Billy Dib. Mr. Carpenter sent me down to see you. And he goes, oh, what do you want to do? I said, I want to become champion of the world. I want to box. And he asked me if I've ever boxed, and I said, no, but I've watched a lot of Rocky movies again. And then, um, anyway, the journey just started from there. And literally, not even, I think it was like four weeks after being in the gym, I had my first amateur exhibition, you know what I mean? So, 
it was a natural thing to me. Boxing just came so natural. It was like, to me, it was like the most natural thing that I ever tried in my life. I, I just knew how to throw punches. I was wild. I was energetic. Yeah. I had a good, I had a good engine on me. You know, hence I never got tired. And um, before you knew it, I started boxing at the age of twelve. And by the age of seventeen, I had one hundred and thirteen amateur fights. I'd won, I'd won ninety-eight of them and I'd lost fifteen. I'd travelled all over the world, fought at the World Cadet Championships, World Junior Championships, Senior Championships. I'd fought at the Acropolis Cup. I'd fought at every major tournament except for the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Um, the trials to the Olympic Games were in 2004 and I was set, I was on the, I was on the Olympic squad and set to represent Australia at the 2004 Olympic Games. But um, after suffering a motorbike accident, my, my performance in the, um, in the trials was terrible. And I just, um, yeah, I failed to make, the, failed to make the squad. And so, you know, it was basically back to the drawing board and I was sort of a little bit disheartened with the sport and didn't know what I wanted to do anymore. I'd, put so many so much effort into wanting to go to the Olympic Games and now that the dream was gone. And then somebody said to me, look, what if I can link you up with Nassim Hamed? You know what I mean? Because he was my childhood hero. Would, how would that? And I was like, man, that would be amazing. And I threw the grace of God and through some luck and what have you. You know, obviously I don't really believe in luck. I believe everything happens by Allah's will. But let's just say it was a little bit of luck. Um, you know, I ended up meeting Sheikh Khaled Yassin who was a good friend of Nassim Hamed's. And um, Khaled Yassin basically asked me to put a portfolio together and some fights on a cassette video. And then he would um, give them to Nassim Hamed. And by the, by the will of Allah, he, he, he did it. And you know what? Not even a week after I gave it to the chef, Nassim Hamed called me. And I guess that's where the journey as a professional started after spending some time in Sheffield, England with Nassim Hamed. And his advice about me turning pro, he advised me to turn professional. I, I went home. And at the age of 18, I turned professional and I never looked back. That was it. So the dream from going to the Olympic Games, um, you know, obviously that was a dream that was shattered, but I put in my mind that I was going to become champion of the world and I focused on that and I achieved that goal. That's incredible to train with, you know, your, your, your childhood hero. To look, you know, a lot of boxers at that time were looking up to Prince because he, he brought a different style, a different flavor to the sport of boxing. He wasn't like, you know, he had something special about him. He had that pay-per-view attraction. So that must have been incredible yeah. to train with him. Um, I mean, you must have been starstruck. But another name you also trained with is Mike Tyson. You went over to the US and trained with Mike Tyson as well. How did that Yeah, come? so, so um, when I was 21 years of age, um, my brother, Ahmad, had um, organized like a surprise 21st birthday for me. Okay. And um, he invited um, Jeff Fennick, who was a... Hall of Famer, three-time world champion from Australia to come to my birthday. And when, when Jeff came to my birthday, he wanted to show everyone up. So his birthday present to me was a first-class ticket to Las Vegas to meet Mike Tyson and train alongside him for the next six weeks. Wow. So well, I was like, man, I'm, obviously I was blown away. And then, um, you know, again, you know, it was like a, to meet Mike Tyson, to train alongside him and to, to you know, get some advice from him. Was a, it was like a dream come true. I always... I always dreamed of someday meeting him and talking to him and, and letting him like, you know, I always, I never see the thing is this whole concept of getting old. When I was younger, I never, I never understood the concept of getting old. I never, I always thought that I was going to be young enough to run through brick walls. And, you know, and when, when people tell me our oh, fighters, cause I, I was watching fighters who were like in their prime. And then a few years later, they're like sort of fizzled out. And I just feel like even though Mike Tyson had a great run, you know what I mean? The youngest heavyweight champion of the world, I just felt like his career was, 
not what it should have been. You know what I mean? And I always thought if I ever met him, I'd tell him, Mike, you got to go back to the old days of how you used to fight. And anyway, you know, when I, when I, when I met him, I just, I realized, you know, that father time does catch it up, does catch up with you. And, you know, and like, you know, one day, one day you're the, you're the shizniz and you're the greatest thing that ever, you know, come to this world. And, and then the next thing you just, you know, you just uh, another fighter, you know I mean? That's, that's how it is. Then it's, it's unfortunate that that's how boxing is, but, I guess that's why my message to young fighters would be, you know, if you're in your prime, work your ass off, you know what I mean? Make sure you do everything in your power to achieve everything you can because this career is not long enough, you know what I mean? Like, I look look at me, like, I'm, I'm now 34 years of age. When I was young, when I was in my 20s, I used to say, by the age of 30, I'll be retired. But the thing is, is that with all these opportunities that keep popping up, it's just so hard to retire, you know what I mean? It's like combat, it's like, in Rocky, in Rocky Four, um, you know, uh, Apollo Creed says to Sylvester Stallone, like, you know, don't you miss, you know, people coming up to you and asking you for a signature? And he's like, he's like, because you know, and, and that's true because you get to that point in your career and you're like, you're like, you're not, you know, you're no longer the relevant fighter that you used to be. You know, I remember like, it's like um, my my sister said to me yesterday. She actually said this to me yesterday. She goes, Hey, Bill, do you remember like four years ago where everywhere you went, everyone called you champ? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, what do they call you now? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, I don't know. I have no idea. Why? What are you saying? And she's like, I remember. Because she goes, I was just remembering back to where everywhere you went, everyone called you champ. And I was like, yeah. I said, but I said, uh, but listen, Sabrina. My sister's name Sabrina. I said, listen, once the champ, always the champ. Just remember that. Still beat your ass up. <laughs> just to touch on Mike Tyson before we move on. Uh, did you see the viral video of him that, that, that came out yesterday of him hitting the button? Definitely, man. Yeah, of course. Look, look. Let's let's be honest. You never lose it, man. You've always got. Obviously, you know. If anything, you lose your timing and things like that. But you know, boxing is what he knows. That's what he grew up doing, and that's what he knows how to do. And obviously, he's never going to forget how to throw punches. So he could do that every day of the week. You know, what I mean, that's not just like you know these people and us. You know, it's like for, for example with me. It's like you know there'll come a day where I'll I'll be I'll be done with the sport, but that doesn't mean I won't keep throwing punches and. And I want to stay active. Of course, I will. That's what I'll do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I guess boxing is one of those sports as well where um, it's almost an escape for a lot of people. People even who don't compete. So it's always it's always good to have that at hand. It's definitely some sort of um, reliever in some sense. And I definitely. think that's why you know, that's, box, that's why a lot of made, pros have it hard to sort of turn away from the sport as well. I think. Yeah. Well, boxing's made a lot of millionaires, man. That's for sure. You know, people yeah. who come from obscurity. People who have come from nothing to become something, you know what I mean? Like you, you guys can look at Anthony Joshua as just one of your guys who's who did that, you know what I mean? Or Anthony was like a kid who was like earlier in his life was a bit of a hoodlum, right? And then turned his whole life around and become a, you know, um, Olympic medalist and then become a, um, a heavyweight champion of the world. You know, nearly became undisputed. You know, he was just very, very close to doing it, man. Yeah, but, and who knows? There might be another chance for him uh, down the line. Exactly. Uh, moving on, you recently fought another Muslim boxer in Amir Khan in Saudi Arabia, which was, you know, quite an event in terms of, you know, Saudi's starting to get those boxing events in. I think your That's fight was probably the first one that I can recall. of. Like, yeah, yeah that was the first event that ever took place in Saudi Arabia, boxing event, yeah. What, what was it like coming up against Amir Khan? And, and did he surprise uh, the ring with, with anything that he did? No, nah, he didn't surprise me with anything. I knew exactly what I was up against. But the, prob- the problem in that fight was is that you know, it's it's it was size. The size was the difference. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, let, let's be quite honest. I did it 
I did it because it was financially a very rewarding fight. You know what I mean? It was fight. It was a big. It was a major financial gain. And we're in the game to be financially, you know, um, you know, to be to be to be made financially comfortable. You know what I mean? And like, no one comes into the sport and just wants to get in and have a. You know, I've been in the sport for so long, so I deserve to get these big paydays. You know what I mean? And so that was like my career high payday. Yeah. And and uh, at the end of that, I know that I was only a super featherweight fighting a welterweight. So the way that I looked at it was that. If I can beat him, that's going to be like on everyone's tongue. Everyone's going to be talking about it. It's like an overnight sensation. But if yeah. I lose, no one's going to care because Amir can't be a kid that's a super featherweight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like Amir can't cannot be proud of that. You know what I mean? It's not like something that he can be proud of. And at yeah. the end of the day, he didn't knock me out or anything like that. We, we, we threw the talent. We did the safe thing. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, my trainer, uh, he, he could see where the fight was going. And he, he, it's his job to protect me. Even though I was a little bit against him doing that, but it, look, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, I come out safe. And then, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't even wait that long. I got back in the ring right away. Got another win under my belt. I beat another undefeated kid. Put myself back in position. And now we're in talks with Abnamares about a showdown later in the year. So, you know, back at my natural weight, of course. You know, what I mean, because yeah. I just did the whole thing with the Mikan because at the end of the day, I was fighting on the undercard and. If it wasn't for me, the show was going to get cancelled. You know what I mean? They needed me to fill in because you need a visa to get into Saudi Arabia at the time. And I had a visa and he needed, a, he needed an opponent with a visa. It was too short in order to get somebody else. So, hey, they offered me the right money and I said, yeah, I'll do it. And, and there's always, you know, respect and, and, and love for people who do move up in weights and challenge uh, uh, the bigger fight. And especially in your terms, that fight, it didn't exactly knock you out or anything. You put up a good performance. So there's nothing to sort of look back to and say, you know, oh, it wasn't my night or anything. You, you gave your shot. And, 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 and definitely it's, it, weight does play a massive factor in these fights. And, oh, man. Look, by, the time I got, by the time I got in the ring, I was like, uh, I, I, I was like, in kilos wise, I was yeah. sixty five kilos, yeah. and and Amir was and Amir was seventy seven. So That's you can see like the the weight difference was ridiculous, you know what I mean? But but I don't care. At the end of the day, you know, it's all friendship as well. Me and Amir kind of great friends. It's it's water under the bridge, man. Yeah. Like I said to you, if I beat him, it would have been like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but and if he beats me, you know what I mean? He, he gets no recognition for it. You know, no one no one's talking about oh Amir can't beat Billy Dib. You know what I mean? Everyone's saying, man, Billy Dib showed big cojones and taking a fight with me, Khan. Because that's exactly what it was. Exactly. All right, moving on. Um, I just want to touch on something. Boxing obviously involves a lot of training in terms of camp. You're literally, you're, there's, there's camp and there's always training throughout the year. But when it comes to a time like this in Ramadan, how do you sort of adapt to it? And has it ever clashed with sort of a camp or anything? How do you go about that? To be quite honest, you know, at this stage right now, it's not clashing because I have nothing in the pipeline. You know what I mean? Like I've got, I'm in talks now with Abner Mares about a fight later in the year. So, you know, it's not affecting my Ramadan at all. You know what I mean? Right now I'm just concentrating on like, you know, uh, my family, my prayers, my fasting, my, you know, learning how to read Quran, things like that. You know what I mean? So that's what's important to me right now. But in my career, earlier in my career, when I was in the prime of my career, a lot of times where I was, you know, training during Ramadan, but um, really early in my career, when I wasn't in the driver's seat, I would, and I would be fighting during Ramadan. I'd I'd have to train throughout Ramadan, and then like you know, and then I'd if I was so so let's just say the fight was I was fasting, and the fight was on a Friday night. I would fast up until Thursday, and then on Friday I'd take Friday off, you know, and then and then I'd get back to fasting on Saturday. You know what I mean? So, but 
I would basically go through my whole camp while I was fasting. But alhamdulillah, when I became champion of the world and there was times where, you know, fights were offered, I was able to dictate where the fight would take place and how it would take place and the date that it would take place. You know I mean, okay. but when you're, when you're coming up in the game and you're just, and you, you're trying to establish yourself, you, 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 um, you basically, uh, you know, you're dictated by the promoter, not by, not, you exactly. know, it's got nothing to do with you. You're dictated by a promoter, but when you become champion of the world, it's like you're in a driver's seat. So I was driving the career the way that I wanted, you know what I mean? I was like, okay, I'm going to fight on this date. I'm not going to fight on that date because Ramadan's on that date. So I was able to steer it in the direction that I wanted. But alhamdulillah, you know, it was like, it never affected me. Training throughout Ramadan never affected me because I, what I would do was, is that if I was, let's just say I was breaking my fast at 6 p.m. in the evening, mm. I would go for a run around 5 p.m., come home, get showered up. And by the time I get showered up and like get ready, um, it's it's a floor time, so I would have iftar then. Yeah. Then I would um after iftar I would go to the mosque. I would pray pray tarawih, and yeah. then around twelve midnight, me and my trainer would meet up at the gym. would go would do a proper boxing session, and then I'd go home, have a shower, rest up, go to sleep, get up the next day. You know what I mean? And just that's how it worked. You know what I mean? I just, as you know, you know, like when you wake up for fajr in the morning, and you know you obviously get up, you have something to eat, you read a bit of Quran, you know, you pray. So you're up for a few hours. So you fall back asleep. You don't really wake up back till about 10 or 11 o'clock. Mm. So, you know, then, and then you're from 11 to like five or six. You haven't got much time before you break your fast again. Do you have any, so, so seeing as though you're, you did go through training regimes during uh, Ramadan, when early in mentioned, do you have any sort of advice to fellow athletes, fellow boxers, young boxers coming through who have to do the similar thing? Um, any yeah. sort of advice with the training uh, and balancing it with Ramadan how would you how would they go about it well if I was advising a fighter on how to do it this is what I'd say to him I'd say listen wake up in the morning pray Fajr go back to sleep rest throughout the day about an hour before your start time put your clothes on put your joggers on go for a jog come home have a shower have something to eat rest up for a few hours don't eat too heavy because you don't want to feel lethargic in training Mm. Have something light to eat. Go to the mosque, pray your tarawih prayers. Head to the gym after that around 11 or 12 o'clock midnight, just before midnight. Do a training session, a full boxing session. Come home, have something to eat, rest up, and then start the next day. Every day I would tell them to do the same thing. That would be my routine. That's exactly how I did it, and that's exactly how I would advise a fighter that I was looking after to do it. Awesome. All right, moving away from boxing a little bit, like you just mentioned there, you, you're learning to read the Quran now. Um, how has it been for you and what kind of led you to do to do this now um so you know what the thing is is that i've been talking about it for many years i've been like so i've, I've in the past i've gone to classes i'll do one class and then i wouldn't go back again and, and then and then subhanallah when my wife gave birth to my son and we now you know he's not he's and he's only five months old but we're already talking about oh we get to put him on quran class with and i just thought to myself what happens when that day comes when my son says to me, hey, dad, how come you don't read Quran? How come mm. I got to read it, but you don't read it? Yeah. And I thought, man, what am I going to say to the kid? You know what I mean? It's like me getting, for example, me having a bunch of tattoos and then my son wants to get a tattoo when he gets older. And I'm like, no, you can't get it. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, because it's haram. And he's like, why do you have it? How do I explain that to him? You know what I mean? So I figured, you know what? I met a, I met a sheikh, a really beautiful sheikh who's only 28 years of age. So he's a young sheikh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's a mad boxing fan. So I said, Sheikh, I'll make a deal with you. You teach me how to read Quran, I'll teach you how to box. <laughs> so we just, did a trade, we just did a trade-off. So now, 
for the last for the last five months, I've been seeing the sheikh twice a week. And he said to me, he said, look, in no time, inshallah, you're going to start reading. He goes, I promise you. Yeah. And I, I never really could see the light. But now it's like, subhanAllah, I can actually see the light. You know what I mean? Like I'm reading now. You know what I mean, like before, if somebody sent me a message in Arabic, I would have to respond back by saying, sorry, I don't read Arabic. I speak Arabic, but I don't read Arabic. Yeah. People would find that weird. And then other times, if I didn't want to feel embarrassed, I'd just Google Translate or I'd ring my dad or I'd send my dad a message and say, Dad, what does that say? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. now when people send me messages now, I can read it and I respond back to them. So I'm like, man, I'm so proud of myself. You know, it's like, it's seriously, honestly, one of the greatest achievements that I've had in my whole life. Like to be able to open the Quran and to be like able to read. Like tonight, I went to my dad's house for Iftar and I was like, Dad, let's, let's practice a little bit of like Quran and that. You know what I mean? He's like, and, and when I'm reading and I'm like, dad, did I say that right? He's like, yeah, keep going. If you do it wrong, I'll tell you. And I'm like, man, am, I, am I really doing it right, dad? And he's like, yeah, you're doing it right. Keep going. So it's like, it's a great achievement, man. I feel so proud. And, you know, I can't, I can't wait like that till my son gets older and then I could like teach him or, you know, even if he's got to go to class, I'll go with him. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm happy to attend with him. You know what I mean? Just because I want to, like I said, you know, it's my job to inspire, inspire people in, in like, God's giving me this blessing with my son and it's my job to make sure that I do everything in my power to make sure that he is, you know, he's on the deen correct. You know what I mean? That's, that's my goal. That's my goal for my son. So in, in relation to uh, learning or, or Islam for that matter, do you have any goals um, in mind or anything that you want to achieve? Obviously, you've achieved something amazing right now, alhamdulillah. But anything in the future that you want to sort of look at and achieve? You know what? When, when, when I'll be honest with you, like, the goal is to read the Quran to complete it. You know what I mean? That would be the goal to complete it. And like, don't get me wrong. I can complete it just by, by using the pen and running over it and whatever. But what, a, what an amazing goal it would be to read it like yourself. You know what I mean? Without the, the assistance of somebody else. Mm. So inshallah, look, it's, it's far fetched at the moment, but Alhamdulillah, I'm doing really well. I'm really proud of myself and, I just feel like Allah's. This is only by the will of Allah, you know what I mean. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just happy and blessed that I'm in this situation. And you know what? It, it, um, because you know, there's been a struggle in regards to learning. And, and the Sheikh says to me, "Listen, you're getting like five times the reward of somebody that knows how to read already, because you know this is a struggle for you, but you continually keep persevering to learn. So you know, I'm just soaking in all these rewards. To be quite honest with you, you know, that's why the, I never, I never like feel like, oh, I can't go there because but I'm just soaking in all the rewards, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just taking them all in. So I'm taking the journey in my stride, you know what I mean? I'm not like, I'm not like getting upset with myself. Oh, man, I just, you know, I know it's going to take time. It's not easy. And anyone out there that wants to learn Quran, trust me, it's it's not easy, but it's rewarding. It's so rewarding. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, something interesting I want to touch on. Uh, you've built up a relationship with uh, Quaden Bales, if, if I'm saying his name yeah, correctly. Quaden Bales, yeah. Uh, nine-year-old kid um, after his uh, heartbreaking video went uh, viral of, of him, you know, getting bullied. Uh, what was the motivation of getting behind, getting involved in the situation and, and getting him on with the, with the boxing lessons? What happened was is that I was sitting down on the couch at home alongside my wife and... I looked to my right and she was crying and I was like, why are you crying? And she was like, you've got to see this. It's, it's so upsetting. And, and when I seen it, all I could think about was my son. Imagine that was my son and he was getting picked on at school. That would be heartbreaking, you know? So automatically I was like, you know, I'm going to reach out to him. My wife, it gave me some advice. She's like, listen, why don't you offer him some boxing training sessions? 
And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do that. that. So that was that was my wife's ID, not my ID. My ID was just to reach out to him. But then when she said offer him some boxing sessions, well, I put out a post saying if anyone could put me in touch with with Creighton's mother, and by the grace of God, somebody did, and I was in touch with her within like two days. And when when I spoke to her, she's like, I know exactly who you are. We're so honored that you've rung and you you know you're checking in, and you know now now we're like we're me and her are like become like family. You know, I mean, his mother is like assisted to me now you know what i mean and like it's it's so amazing because she's actually looking into the faith of islam she's like so many muslim people have reached out to her and her family and you know myself mufti mink all these people have showed her so much love that she actually reads now and like is like is studying the faith of islam you know what i mean and she's like messages me all the time if you go through my social media posts you'll see a lot of them from her because she's so inspired by the faith of islam you know what i mean and that's that's only through, um, you know, uh, obviously, alhamdulillah, that Allah gave us the uh, profile to be able to, you know, be able to reach out to people like herself and her son. And, you know, Allah is using me for, you know, to help them, you know what I mean? So I'm just grateful, you know what I mean? And the kid, you know, a lot of people uh, are nasty and say really nasty things. And a lot of people are saying that he's 20 years old, 19 years old. They've got no idea. The kid's nine years of age. I've seen his passport. I've like... He's just a little toddler, you know what I mean? He's just a young kid and he's tiny. He's tiny, you know what I mean? How's he but don't get me wrong, the boxing stuff that I teach him ain't gonna really gonna help him because he's a, he's a really small guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but he's got a he's got a heart the size of a mountain. He's an absolute gem of a kid. Yeah. And I tell you now, like I, I support him till the day that I die. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh before we get into the final questions, I just wanna Seeing as though we're talking about, you know, supporting people, you've obviously been through a lot in your career to this point um, and, and learned a lot of lessons along the way. And one of the, the major things that people may have seen on other videos about you is your relationship that you had with Floyd Mayweather and 50 Cent and how, how you know, your career really took a turn uh, at some points for the worst. How did you mentally get through those situations? And if you, you know, want to explain to the people that don't know, what happened and in the, in those situations? How did you sort of... Overcome? Well, look, at the end of the day, you know, as, as you said, you know, I've spoken to I've spoken about a lot. It's public knowledge about what 50 Cent and Floyd Melvin did to my, with me. And at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is, is that the way I looked at it is that everything only happens by the will of Allah. You know what I mean? So whatever happened is only by the will of Allah. Whatever money was lost is only by the will of Allah. Whatever was lost in regards to titles was only by the will of Allah. So... He, they were just a driving force behind Allah's permission to do that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, Allah, so if something happens in your life, most of the times, like for example, what happened in my career is only by Allah's will. So, but he used 50 cent and Floyd Melvin to be the driving force to make that happen. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, they, they, they get to live with what they've done. It's, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I, I don't hold no grudges. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, and at the end of the day, you know, my mom, my mom and my father are very pious people and they always told me that you're going to get your haq, you know what I mean? Allah will not allow you to go without your haq, you know what I mean? So whether you're going to get it now or in the day of resurrection, you're going to get it. And yeah. I believe that, you know what I mean? So alhamdulillah, everything happens for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, um, as you said, you know, the, the relationship with 50 and um, Floyd, it started off really good. It went sour quick, you know what I mean? It was yeah. just it was very short-lived. But unfortunately, you know what I mean? Like, it cost me my world title. You know, he didn't physically lose the title for me, but it was basically um, his mis mispromotional um, 
uh, have experience that cost me the world title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not knowing, like, you know, that he when he he and Floyd fell out, um, you know, it was a it was a big dent in my career. So, yeah. alhamdulillah, it is what it is. We're still here and we're still kicking. You know what I mean? Kicking uh, Abner backside maybe soon. What's going on there? Maybe soon. I mean, look, look, I've, I, I, Abner and I have been friends since we were fourteen years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I met I met Abner Mahrez in Hungary at the World Cadet Championships many many years ago when we were fourteen years of age and. Um, uh, you know, we trained alongside each other and uh, we were signed to Golden Boy Promotions at the same time. And then I trained alongside him with Robert Garcia. And so I've been around Abner for a long time. So I reached out to him and said, Abner, look, man, I know you're looking for a comeback fight. I think, I think I'd be, I think I'd, I'm happy to fit that, fit that, um, that bill with you, you know what I mean? And yeah. obviously in his mind, he feels like he can beat me, no problem. And I feel the same way. So, you know, when you've got two fighters coming into the ring, both knowing that they can win the fight, you've got explosive you're going to have something that's explosive, you know what I mean? I'm not coming there to just make up the numbers. I'm coming there to win. For sure. So that's your plans, future plans in the ring. Do you have any sort of future plans outside the ring? Any any certain things that you're working to? Well, my, 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 my plan in life is to become a, to become a motivational, motivational speaker, you know, okay. to motivate others, to spread the message. I feel like my, the message of my life and what's happened in my life is, you know, it's all happened for a reason and I feel like I have the ability to reach out to people through the platform that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me to yep. motivate others. And that's my goal. My goal is to just motivate others, spread love, spread peace, spread harmony. And that's all I want. That's what I want to do in my life. Are you uh, involved in sort of any charities or projects? Or do you involve yeah, I'm, invo- I'm involved in a really uh, a charity that's very close to my heart. Um, it's called Save Our Sons. Okay. It's about kids who suffer from a disease called Duchenne muscular dystrophy a very close friend of mine named um ellie um his son suffers from the disease and he and ellie's um ellie created the um uh, the uh the charity which is called save our sons mm-hmm. and um you know what he reached out to me many many years ago and asked if i'd be on board and you know thank god now by the grace of god i'm on board my brothers are all on board you know so we're, we're all in there helping him you know this man is just He's got one dream to find a cure so that he can save his son. So it's, it's you know, everything we can do in our power, we're going to try to help him. Awesome. Well, yeah, I just want to say I've been a massive admirer of yours for many, many years. I just want to say thank you for joining us today on the Pillar to Post podcast. And it was great to speak to you. Uh, thank you for everyone who tuned in, listened. Make sure to uh, like, share and retweet this episode. And make sure to stay tuned because we've got a lot more of these awesome interviews coming up for you. Thank you so much, guys. And, um... I was just saying, um, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone out there. And I just want to say uh, for all those who want to follow my journey, they can follow me at Billy Dib on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, you know, the journey is uh, it's still kicking. And hopefully uh, it's going to be kicking enough to kick Abner Mahrez's butt. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward thank to that. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate the love and support. Thank you, Billy. Thank you so much, Mallory. What do you guys? Thank you so much for your time. Thank okay. you for, for the opportunity. And I, and I really hope it goes well for you guys. Thank you for the time, bro. Obviously, you got a lot on it as well. And in the month of nah, so good, man. I, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Uh, thank you so much, man. I'll reward you guys. Take care, yeah? You too, bro. Okay, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.